Hey, last week uh, we started to look into the whole area of taking possession of the inheritance that God has given us. And um, for many, what I mean by that is that uh, we've been given this incredible love from God and he's built into our identity who we are. And he's, he's established his favour over our lives and he, he's poured out the, the, the generosity of his spirit on us. And yet for many, we've received the kingdom but we're not actioning the kingdom. We haven't stepped into the fullness of possessing the kingdom life. And as we start this year, that's where we're really going to press into. Because I think uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks' time, in about a month's time, I'm going to share with you what I think is on the Father's heart for us as a church going forward as, um, as I've spent time with the ministry team and we've prayed and sought the Lord together. But leading into that, I want to set the framework. Um, <clears throat> it's a bit bouncy still, Sam. Can you <clears throat> bring me down a bit? That'd be great. So last week we talked about the fact that you can actually be walking in the kingdom of God and yet not possessing the fullness of that. Um, and we were challenged by the words of Moses in Deuteronomy 4, where he was speaking to, he was speaking to the uh, people of God before they entered the promised land. And he was reminding them to listen up and follow what he was telling them. Now, we were, we were challenged on the whole idea that what does it actually mean to be a good listener? Um, and, um, and not consider the voice of God an interruption to our life, um, but actually to listen. And when Jesus talked about being a good listener, he spoke about how he used a simple little parable, and he, and he said it like this. He said, um, there's a wise and a foolish person. Both of them built homes. One built their home on the rock, and one built their home on the sand. And Jesus was talking about how the wise person was the person who heard what God was saying for their life and then in agreement with what God was saying, built their life on the revelation of what God was saying. It was like solid ground for them so that when the testings of daily living came and the work of the enemy would come, they would remain established. The foolish person also heard God. Why? It's not a difference between wise and foolish hearing. Both of them could hear God. But the foolish person heard God and folly, they attributed that to, to what God had as best advice. And they said, well, what would you know? I'm going to build my house over here and establish myself on the sand. And when the testings and the trials and the realities of life journey came that was washed away their whole infrastructure for life was washed away so it's not about you have to be wise to hear God it's about the fact that everyone can hear God it's what you're doing with what you're hearing that's the invitation that Jesus is calling people to it's like if you just like listen and follow you'd have the kingdom established in your life. And um, Moses was saying to the people, look, you know, if you're going to go into your inheritance, please be sure that you listen to God and that you do what he's telling you to do. 
for your well-being. So we looked at that. We looked at, uh, at, at listening. I'm just going to try and jump in here. Hopefully this may or may not work. It's all frozen up. It's working? Sorry. Mine's died at this end, so I might need someone to drive that for me if I could. Sorry, guys. This is technology at its best. It's frustrating some days. Um, So listening, uh, following was the next one we touched on, which was all about how um, Jesus said to his disciples, follow me. And we spoke about how Jesus was the first rabbi of his day or teacher of his day that actually said those words to people, to his audience. He said to them, you follow me. Most people in his day, in his context, they would wait, they, you know, as their children grew up, they would choose what rabbi their child would follow. Oh, I want my child to grow up in the school of rabbi so-and-so. Or I want my, school, my child to be influenced by rabbi so-and-so. And so you would stream your children to grow up under that rabbi's teaching. So you would choose the rabbi. But when Jesus comes along, the rabbi chooses you. And he must have had some significant authority in the you follow me. Because you read about the story of guys like um, James and John, fishermen, tradesmen, hardcore tradies. They had all of the family business they were looking after. And Jesus goes by them one day and says, you follow me. And the scriptures tell us, the account of history tells us, that they actually left the tools of their trade and they followed Jesus. There must be something very powerful when Jesus calls a person. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he says it like this in his book called The Cost of Discipleship. Who's read that book, The Cost of Discipleship? Okay, write this down. This week I'm going to order for myself on eBay... Or, or, or the book depository, because none of us have read it. We all need to read this book, The Cost of Discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The, the opening lines of his book are this. When Jesus Christ calls a person, he bids them come and die. There's the invitation. No longer live life on your terms. You now live it on my terms because I'm now showing you what it looks like with God and humanity on earth. And this is the way it rolls out now. So when you come, here's the terms. I'm calling you, follow me. I remember that day when that happened for me. (laughs) Completely flipped my life around. Within six weeks, I was unemployed, sitting under a tree, crying out, Oh God, what are you doing with my life? Talking to old, old ministers and pastors and they were probably about my age now, you know. And, and so, but they were just like, no, you're not going crazy. You're not going mad. This is what happens to a life when God says, follow me. The only response, the fitting reply is, okay, everything, that's it. It's all me for you. And I'm going to learn to live like that. So Jesus, uh, Moses says to the guys, follow me, and and Jesus uh, says the same thing, and then the apostle Paul says, hey, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. 
So that, and, and it's interesting because sometimes what happens is people read that and they go, oh, Paul was wanting people to follow him as he followed Jesus. No, no, no. Paul's saying as a good teacher, what Paul is saying is, hey, you stand beside me and you follow him as passionately, as ardently, and with everything you've got as I am. He's not saying get in line, look at me. He's saying stand with me and we together follow the example of Jesus. That way we save ourselves rock star Christians. Thank God for that. Our example is Jesus. We're following him. And that's what Paul called them to. And then we also spoke about where Moses said, don't add, don't subtract. The next one, thanks, um, Jake. Don't add and subtract from what, what I'm telling you today. If you want to inherit the kingdom of God, if you want to possess it, don't add and subtract. And we talked about how the completeness of the kingdom has been revealed to us in Jesus. There's nothing more to add. There's nothing less to take away. And yet in our actions and in our lack of faith sometimes, we will go and seek out super revelation or heightened experiences of stuff in the hope that we can get through or break through or advance when all of it, it's all been done in the Lordship of Jesus. And he, the writer to the Hebrews says, actually, you know what you need to do? You need to stop trying and enter into your rest. Praise God, religion died the day Jesus rose from the dead. And he said, rest in me. Come to me, Jesus said, all you who are thirsty, all you who are tired and hungry, and I'll, I'll, you, I'll give you rest for your soul. Thank God for that. So we don't need to add and subtract. We just need to turn to Jesus. I want to pick up, though, today just very quickly on a few quick things. Um, in the story of uh, Deuteronomy 4 there, we read it last week, and, and I won't reread the whole scripture to you right now, but there, there is a few little bits there that I want to pick up on. The first bit is this. Moses says to the guys, um, be careful. Let's go to the next slide, Jake, where it says warning. That's it. He says, um, be careful and don't forget what your eyes have seen the Lord do at Baal Peor. Now, that sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? What is Baal Peor? Well, basically what was happening was this. The men, the men of Israel, when they were camped at a place called Shittim, the men of Israel, they were, um, they were told to not go getting all hooked up with the eye candy of other groups of women. They were told, stay within the tribes. But what happened was the Moabite women who were nearby said to the men of Israel, hey, why don't you hook up with us? And so there was two things that happened. The men of Israel, obviously with their, with their eyes, were taken in by the invitation to get hooked up with the Moabite women. And here's what happened. The first thing they did, even after God had said, please don't do this for your own well-being, <laughs> they went and did it anyway, 
And here's what happened. The scriptures tell us in Deuteronomy chapter 4 that one, they then went and worshipped the Baal of the Moabites. Baal meaning God. And this is what that looked like. On the highest mountains, what they would do is they would establish a pole, a you know, a spiritual icon or a pole or an edifice of some sort. And the God that they had shaped up on this hilltop was the God of Chemosh. And the way that you appeased this God was twofold. You indulged, you, you, you indulged in sexual activity with anyone and everyone. And the second thing you did was you sacrificed your children in the fire. And the men of Israel joined in because their eyes and their flesh were drawn into the invitation and that pathway led them into a very dangerous place where they'd stopped worshipping the Lord their God and they started worshipping the Baal at Peor. Now as a result of this, a plague, you can read all about this in Numbers 25, a plague broke out amongst the Israelite people. And 22,000 people, or 22 or 24,000 people died from this plague that hit the people. God was furious. And then one day what happened was that there was this guy, this Israelite bloke, and he took his Moabite woman and they went into the meeting place with God. And there was this second or third generation priest there and his name was Phineas. Phineas is a really cool name. I like Phineas. But I like it even more when you know what he did. So there's this Israelite dude and he, he brings in his Moabite woman and they go into the holy, you know, they go in to meet with God. And Phineas is like, how dare this guy do this? How dare he bring in the very practices of another spirituality and try and mix it into who our God is? And so Phineas sees this as a priest, as a young priest. And the, and the scriptures tell us, the account tells us that Phineas takes a, like a, I kind of imagine it, it says a spear, I kind of imagine like a javelin-like thing. And he drove that spear right through that Israelite man. And at the same time, he drove it through the Moabite woman that the Israelite man brought with him. And he staked them. And he killed them. And from that day on, all the plagues lifted. Our God doesn't like to be mixed with other gods. So... As we head into 2015, even though our world, our culture, our politics, our, our um, you know, voice of reason in our age all wants to mix it all up and have, you have a bit of this God, you have a bit of that God, maybe take a bit of this and a bit of that and blend it in together. Don't go there, friends. And, and, and just when you, if you think like, oh, I'm not doing that, Pay attention to your sexual practices. Pay attention to your sexual practices. Guys, don't go sleeping around. Ladies, don't go sleeping around. Pay attention to your sexual practices and watch out for the eye candy. 
The only eye that our eyes should be on is on the Lord, who's, who wants to give us life in all its fullness. Be very careful. Be very careful. It says in Numbers 25 that the, the Israelite men joined themselves. And that word in the Hebrew, it literally just means they mingled in. They let it all mingle in. And, and, and in the same process, they bound themselves too. And when you read this story and you listen to the voice of Jesus, when Jesus is walking, he says, take, well, and, and that word, word joining in the Hebrew in Numbers 25 means to be yoked, means to be yoked. It brings new meaning to why Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me because my burden is not heavy and I'll give you rest for your soul. Where there is unrest, are we mingling our lives in other things and spiritual practices or even idolatry, stuff that's idolatrous to our eye? Guys, be careful of the porn this year. Be very careful of the porn this year. It will be strong and it will be wanting your eyes. Be very careful of its power. Be very careful of the, the power of the cultural pursuits of sexual desire that's out there. That's saying, just have it anyway, it's all right. Be very careful of that. Don't yoke yourself to it. Don't be yoked by the, the lie that if I can just have enough, I will have, have it all. And be very careful about yoking yourself to the idea of, and the thinking and the living of the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Be careful of that lie. Be very, very careful of that lie. So Moses is saying, hey guys, careful, just careful as you go. If you want to really walk in your inheritance in God, be careful of this stuff. It's real, it's powerful, it's very dynamic, and it's, it's very alive. So be very careful as you walk this year out. Last, I've I got a few more, but I'm going to, just one more, because I can see that we're pretty hot right now. So let's go to the next one. Thanks, um, thanks, Jake. Hopefully it should be wisdom and understanding. Um, let me just quickly read this scripture to you. Moses said, See, I've taught you these decrees and laws that the Lord my God commanded me so that you'll follow them into the land that you're entering and take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and your understanding to the nations. In other words, people are watching your life. Whether you think you're worth watching or not, People are watching. People are always watching. I remember one day, Nicole and I, we, we met with someone, and, and they said, oh, um, the other week we were driving along the road and we saw you guys go past in the car. And, and the person that I, they said, the person that they were travelling with said, oh, look at that couple, look how in love they are. I mean, that was a really nice thing, you know? But I was just driving on the road going somewhere. I didn't realise someone was watching. People are always watching, even when you think you're just driving somewhere. <laughs> That's right. I think she was reaching over kissing me, as I remember. <laughs> Anyways, um, 
But thank you for that advice, Bruce. Very sensible, good advice. Um, but he goes on, he says, uh, he says they will, they will hear about all of these decrees and they will say, surely this nation or this group of people is a wise and understanding people. That's what they'll say as they look at us. And he says, because what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way that the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? Now, if you want to join the dots, I think it's a good, I think there's, you should join the dots on this one. Because there's many uh, great ideas about what, or there's many ideas about what greatness looks like or what a, a great person is. Um, it's coming up to Australia Day and um, we'll be celebrating great Aussies. People will get awards for all sorts of you know, endeavours, academic, sporting, you name it, caring for others, arts, literature, the whole thing, music. And we'll want to celebrate that, and we should. Um, and, but what we do is we ascribe greatness to people in that. Well, Moses is saying for the people of the kingdom of God, the defining mark of greatness is their wisdom and their understanding. Now, wisdom... In the Hebrew there means know how to use skills in warfare, be wise with administration, and prudent with your ethics. It also means understanding. It means to be a people who are discerning and have insight and are skillful in learning. But the wisdom and the understanding is a fruit. The wisdom and the understanding is a fruit. It's the fruit of the fact that God is near them. Greatness is the presence of God. Greatness is the presence of God. Not our smarts, not our best human reasonings. It's all of that under the greatness of God's presence leading us. And so sometimes the decisions we have to make might not look wise in the eyes of the world, but they are great in the eyes of our God. And listen to Jesus' words in Matthew 20, 25 to 28. He says, whoever wants to be great among you, this is where he's talking to James and John's mum, because she's like, hey, Jesus, you know, can my boys have a seat on the right and a seat on the left? I want them to be great in your kingdom. And Jesus just bats that out of the park. <laughs> and he just, he just hits it to the fence. He says, Whoever wants to be great among you. If you've got your Bible, quickly open it. Matthew 20. Let me read it to you. Well, I'm going to pick in verse 24 of 20. He says, When they heard about this, the other disciples, they were cranky at James and John. They, and Jesus called them together and he says, You know... You know that the Gentiles, they lord it over people with their high officials exercising authority over people. But this is not the way with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is what the invitation to kingdom greatness is for all of us this year. The life of service reflected in the person of Jesus and the defining statement of those who follow Jesus as his servants is that the world will look at that and they go, that is the most wise and understanding person I know. It's because of the presence of Jesus with us. Let's be a wise and understanding people this year, hey? Let's be wise and understand. Let's be a people who are informed by the presence of God. That's why we pray and worship like that way we do. It's not what we've done that makes us great in the kingdom. The world testifies to the greatness that rests upon us, the manifest wisdom of God in how we do life, in how we do marriage, in how we use our money, in how we grow our children, in how we, and in how we respond to, the, to the, you know, the works of the enemy and the ways of this world. Greatness looks like, if, you know what, I couldn't think of anything greater. Here's my goal. And I hope it's your goal too this year. Well, you've, you need to talk it through with Jesus, but I want, to in, I want to introduce more people to Jesus personally this year. Last year, few years, been a bit light on for me. I couldn't think of anything wiser and lived a life with more wisdom and understanding than to invite people into the presence of the loving God in the face of Jesus. So this year as we go about it, pay attention to the warning signs. Pay attention to the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why he's there going, whoa, whoa, don't go there in that choice. Please don't go there. And be a wise and understanding person with the Spirit of God generously upon your life and hear it and obey it, follow it. And let's hope that as we walk our life this year following Jesus, that the ones around us, the world around us will say, you know what, the way you do life, there's something about it and I want some of it. Well, what you mean is you want me to introduce you to my friend Jesus. Let that be our greatness this year let that be our greatness this year all right i'm going to pray and then we're going to go and eat sausages let's pray heavenly father i thank you for um your commitment to loving us into the fullness of our inheritance but lord on on our end we need to respond we need to you know be like a wise builder and I thank you that we can be and I thank you for the just the continual history of your presence upon us here at the vineyard we want to be a wise and understanding people this year Lord we want to pay attention to the warning signs and and know that it's your love helping to lead us into life but we also want to be a people who take our inheritance this year, Lord, and not leave it in the bank. We want to cash it in. We want to walk in it. We want to serve and love the world like Jesus does in such a way that the sick are healed, the, 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 the captives are set free, the poor are fed, and the oppressed hear the good news. That's our, that's our life, Lord. That's what we want to live this year. 
Would you help us in, those, in that journey? And in the name of Jesus, Lord, we, we thank you that your love is big enough and more powerful than all the muck that we've been involved in, all the sin and the junk that we've been involved in, and we may even be wrestling with in this very moment. Thank you that your love is big enough, courageous enough, and powerful enough to come close and lift that off us in the loving arms of your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, let your let your presence come and rest on your people now. Let your life come in the name of your Son. Rest upon us. Come, holy God. Come, holy God. Rest upon us. With every decision that needs to be made, Lord, let your presence lead us. Let the wisdom and understanding of who you are lead us. Come, Lord. And for those of us that are in this room right now who have maybe never even entered into a relationship with you, Jesus, we take time for that right now. And we just say, Jesus, I no longer want to live life according to the confidence of my own capacity, because I come up short every time. And I thank you that you're inviting me into a life that is full and rich. It's, it's, it's rich of the beauty of God and the, the creative love of, of heaven on earth, its purpose and sense of fullness of identity. And I just want to say thank you that you've made that available to me as I say thank you for dying on the cross where there you took my sin upon yourself and you, on the third day you rose victoriously over it and you now established eternal life for me. And I just want to place my confidence in who you are, Jesus, today and say thank you that you give me life and reassurance right now in this moment that I'm one of your children and that you have got a great kingdom life for me to live, both now and into the age to come. Thank you, Holy Spirit.